right, everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Rumcast. This is the podcast that helps you navigate the world of rum by talking to the people who love and shape it. I'm Will Hookinga, and on the other line, I have my co-host, your co-host, he's everyone's co-host, the people's co-host, John Gullah, checking in from Miami, Florida. What's up, John? What's up, man? You're going to blow my head up with the people's co-host there, because I might just use that in the future. The people's I mean, co-host. You, you know, you're were, you were referring to this podcast, the last episode, you called it the program, and you've called it that a few more times just in casual conversation since then, and I always point it out uh, because I think it's funny. And so, you know, I'm just trying to level up at, at the way we describe everything, the show itself, you as the co-host, everything. Yeah, I, I I like it, and and this is such a distinguished program, Will, that we're a part of. That I agree that you know we need the people's co-host here. I, we'll we'll have to figure out your your co-host name as well uh, moving forward. I'm not that creative in the moment, but we'll get there. You got some time to work on it. <laughs> so, Will, I have a short story to tell that I think is interesting. Ooh, okay, and and, and I kind of want to talk to you and tell you this story, and then also hear back from the listeners on this as well. All right. So I ran into a friend of mine at work the other day, and he happens to be a rum fan like us. So he knows about the podcast. He's listened a couple of times and all. Nice. And anyway, he, he stops and he says to me, John, I have to tell you something. And he brings his hand up close to my face, and he shows me this really bad cut on his finger. That's a fun way to start a conversation <laughs> with someone. I really have to tell you something. Here's my finger in your face. With it was, it a was a little weird. It was a little, little weird, but I'm like, you know, oh man, what happened? Because he's like showing me this like grotesque cut on his was finger. Was it bandaged? Right? Did he like pull the bandage off before he came and showed it to you? <laughs> no, it was it, it had a dressing on it of, okay. of, a, of a type, uh, but it wasn't like a you know just a bandage cut because it was you know fairly large and you could see some of the, the the wound, I guess you would say. So, anyways, I'm like, oh man, what happened? And he says, well, actually, I, I have a tip that I wanted to share with people on your podcast. And about, I'm like, about okay. dressing wounds. <laughs> I'm like, now I'm intrigued, right? I'm like, I have no idea how this is going to be rum related, but okay. So he he then, he turns to me, looks me dead in the eye, and he says, if you're going to have a fun night with cocktails, always cut your fruit right up front. Ooh, waited too like, long. Ah. He had a few too many drinks before he cut up those limes, didn't he? Exactly. You nailed it. So he's telling me the story about how he had so many cocktails with, you know, lime in them and he was cutting a lime and he ran over his finger with the knife because he was in a, in a little bit. Wow. Uh, so yeah, I, here's the thing. I, I was like, uh, yeah, I told him I'd share that. And then I wondered, like, does this happen to a lot of people out there? Like, is this a thing? You know, especially like with like home barring now because of COVID and all that. Do, do we need to give this condition a name? It sounds you know? kind of like I thought that was actually this the field sobriety test in Florida. If you got pulled <laughs> over, they handed you a lime and asked you to make a daiquiri. <laughs> I would be down for that. I, I love <laughs> and that. If you cut uh, your I finger, be, you're, yes. you're over the limit and they, they take you to jail. <laughs> that should be the new procedure for sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I was trying to figure out, do we call this like bar finger? Is that what we call this? Bar or, finger. Or rum finger or Bar finger sounds like you hear the barf part of it. So although <laughs> that may be soon to follow <laughs> exactly. uh, if, if you've had enough drinks. So maybe that's um, it. I don't know. Yeah, um, that's, a, that's a good question. I would love to hear from some of the rum casters out there if they have any ideas of, of what to call it when you have had so many cocktails that it is unsafe to operate a knife yeah. to cut and up like more what, fruit for more cocktails. Right. And like, do you recognize that and say like, you know, who somebody else needs to cut the fruit? Is that the, the phrase? You know, <laughs> hey, somebody else come cut the fruit. Um, I think, <laughs> I think uh, your friend at least deserves props for using fresh fruit, first of all. He does. I, I have a friend who 
got really into making daiquiris because yeah. he was asking me for recommendations. He wanted, he, like, he knew about the podcast and he wanted to try rum. And I was like, well, you know, you, you could you could buy some of these rums. And he he's not really someone who drinks spirits neat. So I was like, you should totally make a daiquiri. Most most people haven't really had a proper one before, and it's super simple to make one. Mm-hmm. And he he fell in love with making daiquiris. I think he picked up a bottle of Appleton Signature and was just like cranking through daiquiris. And then he sent me a picture one day and I saw one of those little bottles of prepackaged lime juice. And I was like, wait, oh, no, no, you were so close. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) It's a dangerous game. You know, it is crazy, though, how many people still think that daiquiris are like the frozen, you know, drink that are made with artificial stuff. Yeah. Uh, Well, I mean, just, you know, go to any kind of you know, franchise restaurant in the US and they'll have some sort of specialty, you know, frozen daiquiri on the menu, which I mean, sometimes those are good. I'm not trying to like, you know, be a cocktail elitist or whatever, but you know, people need to know what a daiquiri actually is and that it's not by default neon red. (laughs) I totally agree. And, and think that the sweetness level obviously is different there and the balance is different. And it's just, it's surprising to me. It actually happened to me this weekend where I I made somebody a daiquiri and they're like, this isn't a daiquiri. And I had to like (laughs) go through the whole thing with them. And what was your recipe? Just straight up. uh, So I used in this case, uh, the when in rum overproof. Oh, nice. The, the privateer. Yes. The privateer. Kate Perry. Kate Perry. Collaboration. Yeah. It's really great. It's an overproof at 63%. So I, I used that one because I wanted something a little stronger for me and they got it too. Also, just it was uh, two ounces of that, mm. one ounce of lime juice and three quarters of simple syrup. But nice. I used the nice. um, I used the turbinado or whatever. Turbinado sugar, demerara sugar. Demerara sugar. That's the okay. one. Yeah, nice. I used the demerara sugar. So it's a little darker, but I don't mind that and love the added flavor in it. So yeah, that was the the classic uh, daiquiri this weekend. And with the little lime wedge, like my 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 bartending game, my Very mixology classy. game is coming up. And no so, cut fingers. No cut fingers because I yeah made you a, didn't made stick a your double. finger in the camera at the beginning of this recording and say hey Will <laughs> look Will check it out. <laughs> Here's a um, disgusting wound. Yeah. So, but I had to convince this person that that was a daiquiri, and they told me no, it wasn't. And they're like, no, this is like a margarita. And I was like, yeah, but it's rum, which they're similar, right? You know, there's some similarity there. Yeah. Um, no, no, no orange liqueur in the in the right. the classic daiquiri. Um, but yeah, I, I think I usually go with the two ounces, three quarters lime, half ounce simple for mine. But I think since you were using a, a rum at sixty three percent, I probably would have leaned toward the ratio that you used as well. Yeah, that makes sense. And I like your recipe too. Actually, a lot of times I will just do the half ounce. Well, uh, you know, going from that and thinking about how we we rate rums and how we think about rating rums, I think we have a special guest on today that a lot of people are going to enjoy. Yeah, we've got a heck of an interview today. This was really fun. We we interviewed a guy named Jay West. And I introduced him like that because he's one of those people where you may know him without actually knowing his actual name because... For, for many years, he's been reviewing spirits online under the username Take. Uh, that's with an eight, the, the numeral eight instead of the A. So T-8-K-E. And it, it looks right when you see it. Like yeah, when it I looks, say it, it I say great. It, it's, no problem. it's awkward to to explain <laughs> the spelling on a podcast, but it looks yeah. perfect and you, you get it right away. But anyway, so Jay, I'll refer to him as Jay from here on out. 
Um, he's written over 2,000 reviews of Spirits since 2015, including a ton of, of rum reviews. And he, he basically started out publishing reviews on Reddit anonymously under that username take. Um, over time, got really involved in various Spirits communities on that site, developed kind of a big following of his reviews. He was, mm-hmm. I think he was re- posting like a review a day uh, for years. And obviously, there are tons of people who review rum out there. But I, I think what sets Jay apart a little and, and what kind of drew us to wanting to have him on the podcast was um, the, the reviews are cool. And we'll get into that in a second. But also his involvement as a founder of the Aficionados Group, which yes. has actually released a good amount now of independently bottled rums, including many I'm sure you've seen if you're listening to this and you are active in any rum communities online. So there's kind of two different lines of rums they've done at this point. The first one uh, was the Triple X rum series. So if you've ever seen bottles online that are kind of starkly labeled, it's like a white label you see big letters that say XXX, and then in just really tall, uh, really small, tiny writing, there's the name of the distillery or the country where it came from and the ABV, maybe the age, and that's basically it. Like, it's it's very minimal, but they've done releases, uh, all age drum, all cask strength. They've done them from Foursquare, Venezuela, Mauritius, Fiji. There's a couple more that I'm missing, but... They have this tasting panel where they kind of blindly taste samples and they make these selections. Mm-hmm. And they have a partnership with a website called Fine Drams that help like assist them with with putting these with sourcing the the rum and, and putting these releases out. And it's it's been really cool to to just you know see online communities embrace these releases and and really get excited about them. And then the other line of rums they've done, which this there's there's one particular bottle from this, which you you if you haven't heard of the Triple X series, you've definitely seen this uh, bottle of rum if if you are active online. But yeah. it's it's a series of high ester rum releases. And the first one that came out in 2019 was a bottling of Hampton's DOK mark. So the highest ester rum that Hampton makes. Uh, We've referred to it on a few other podcasts recently. Mm -hmm. Definitely the one with Christelle Harris from Hampton. But so that was, it's in the conversation for being the first release of that mark, just totally uh, unaged. It was released at 69% ABV. So again, this is a high ester mark that is usually released in blends are used in blends and small quantities and things like that. And it was really unusual to find a bottling of it, just unaged 69% ABV. You can finally taste DOK. It's like natural habitat kind of. (laughs) And the, 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 the label of the bottle was like kind of dark and brooding and and imposing. And it just kind of like went everywhere across the rum internet ecosystem yeah yeah you just saw it everywhere you saw people like reviews people would write about it and reactions people would have to experiencing this rum that's so unique and so aromatic and so funky it was just really fun to see all these different reactions to this rum so they the the aficionados group did that release they also just released two more high ester rums one from legalian and martinique and one from New Yarmouth Distillery in Jamaica, which is the kind of mysterious distillery that's owned by Jay Ray and Nephew that mm-hmm. it's like always hard to find information about online. So they've done these really cool releases. And I think one thing when I talk to other people who are fans of rum, 
a lot of times we'll see these releases and people will be like, man, it would be cool to like, you know, get a group together and release a rum. And you, you've had some experience with that with Florida Rum Society now doing yes. barrel picks and stuff like that. So I think it's something a lot of people have seen and, and people have wanted to be involved with it because they have that community aspect of like picking people from the r slash rum community on reddit to be on these blind tasting panels to help select some of these things so it's very community driven it's very cool and so you combine that with um a we wanted to hear about that b as we said jay's written tons of rum reviews and he has a like a, a really elegant kind of review system a scoring system that's become very popular with lots of reviewers and just a nice approachable style, I think, that's really helpful for, for rum consumers. And so we wanted to talk to him also about, you know, his approach to reviewing, how he's improved his palate, his ability to translate what he's tasting into words and things yeah. like that. So that's something that I, you know, feel I have a lot of room for improvement on and want to get better at. So it was really fun to hear his take on that and just kind of his journey in, in the rum world. Uh, we also did something really fun where we got him, since he drinks so many other spirits, to recommend other types of spirits for people who like certain types of rum. So that was a really fun <laughs> part of the interview for me. But I think if, if you have seen any of these rum releases that Jay has been associated with, you're going to love hearing more about those. If you're someone who wants to improve you know, your ability at tasting and stuff like that, or maybe you like to keep notes on rums that you... Uh, taste or maybe you want to write reviews or something like that it's it's got a lot of good info about that uh, and it was just like a really cool fun conversation you know just talking to someone who loves rum and uh, bouncing around different topics but uh, yeah I had a blast yeah I think uh, him coming from a bourbon background and still heavily involved in bourbon was uh, something that resonates with me as as listeners will know that I came from that area yeah. arena as well I also like how he's he's got the engineer's mindset and he talks a little bit about mm -hmm. that and I love that that's how his thought process it's so intentional and methodical and I think that's great to hear so I, I'm I'm really excited for, for people to hear it I think it was a wonderful fun interview uh, and uh, we should just uh, let, let everybody hear it Yep, let's check it out. Hey, Rumcasters. If you love rum like we do, there are six simple but meaningful words that are likely to get your attention. Single barrel, cask strength, no additives. Those six words are the whole premise behind the single cask rum releases from Holmes Key, the sponsor for this episode of the Rumcast. Holmes Key seeks out the world's best rums and releases them unadulterated and at cask strength in limited editions. Check out their website at homeskey.com to learn about current releases distilled at places like Foursquare in Barbados, Demerara Distillers in Guyana, Travelers Liquors in Belize, and South Pacific Distilleries in Fiji. And be sure to look out for new releases of limited editions that are releasing soon in 2021. Find them at homeskey, that's H-O-L-M-E-S-C-A-Y dot com. Now back to the show. All right, so we are here with Jay West. Otherwise, you may know him better as Take, uh, with the numeral eight in place of the A. I know that's how I first came across you, Jay. If you've ever been on Reddit in any, I think, of any of the spirits-related subreddits, you've probably read one of his reviews before. And I was looking up, I think it's at over 1,900 now, right? 1,900 reviews? Yeah, it's, uh, I think, like 1950-something. Uh, like, were you in the middle of, I don't know, like how you managed to crank out so many. I'm like afraid that we're interrupting your review process just by doing this interview right now. 
no, no, you, you're, you're pretty safe. I, I, at, at this point, like, um, you know, er, early in the days when I told myself that maybe, I, you know, if I could just do one a day for a week, maybe it'd be fun. Um, uh-huh. and, and I assumed I'd give up by the end of the week. Um, <laughs> and obviously that's not the case, but I, I try and get one done a, one a day, but now it, now that it's also kind of my job, I, I try and get a couple out over the weekend and stuff. So you are, uh, you're free and clear. Okay. Got, got mm-hmm. it. Yeah. didn't want to interrupt the, the creative process, but so just it, to, to speak a little bit to kind of your origin story. So that started back in 2015, right? When you first, so it was purely just like a, Hey, I'm going to do this for fun, try it and, and see what happens kind of thing. Yeah, it was actually, um, it was very much like, a, it was a very big yellow moment, right? Like, oh, okay, you know, I wanted to get into spirits, but coming from an engineering background, it was really easy um, and just have exiting university, which is not something I told people for a very long time. Like in 2015, I had actually graduated university, so I was pretty young. Mm-hmm. And that's why I chose the the cloak of anonymity is because like spirits people are kind of known to be curmudgeon and like who wanted to listen to a 22 year old. But right. at the same time, I learned, you know, in university, the best way to try and understand and what you know and what you don't know is to also uh, try and teach people, right? Like you'd learn a skill and if you could competently teach it to other people by way of writing or lecture or, you know, speaking, it was a very good gauge and help people understand very quickly what they did and didn't know about spirit. So I thought, you know, okay, I'm just going to start writing reviews and the internet will, you know, and especially Reddit being as <laughs> unabashed and just like vicious and cut to the core, you know, no bullshit, so I figured Reddit would be a really great proving ground. Like I'll write a review and every day someone will tell me how wrong I am and I'll <laughs> learn from it. And if I can stick it out a week, then, you know, maybe I'll learn some stuff. And and clearly that worked out pretty well because it's six years later and I'm still doing it. But yeah, my, my origin was I wanted to write to learn. And, and that's exactly what had happened. I love that you brought that up because I've, and I, I think John is the same way. We've, we've both felt that way about, you know, starting a podcast about rum. I think yeah, you I mean, always tell yourself like at what point do I have permission to you know be someone doing this right like do I know enough about it like when at what point do you know enough to start talking about it more and things like that and so I definitely I I agree with you that I found learning by teaching is is a great way to force yourself to try to understand something better um that's really cool I, I want to talk more about the the review process, how you approach tasting and things like that. But before we get into that, I, I, I want to start a little bit with the rum that people uh, may be familiar with. There, there, there may be some people out there that have had rums that you've uh, had something to do with, but maybe ha- are, are less familiar with your reviews. But I think a lot of listeners will know you through the rum releases you've done with the aficionados group which I think start w- w- the first release you guys did was rum, right? The XXX one selection in 2018. Yeah. How, how did the, the group come together and how did you end up starting with a rum release? Because I know you, you review lots of different spirits, not just rum. Sure. And uh, that, that's a great question. So, um, and, and it really has an interesting story too. So I was not the original figurehead for triple X rum. Um, a okay. guy, I believe his username was just some bad advice. Um, this came in a very interesting time for Reddit. It was, it was a time where Reddit took on a ton of venture capital money from China okay. and they had to clean up their image right as we were doing this. So just some bad advice was working with Jonas at Fine Drams. 
and said, hey, I think we can do a cool rum release, but I need some tasters. Like we want this community aspect. And, and a lot of bourbon people knew that I was drinking rum for a while. So like I wasn't super active at uh, Reddit slash R slash rum. So R slash rum. Yeah. Um, and they said, hey, like you got to get this guy in the panel. And so he approached me. He was like, hey, you want to drink rum? And I was like, you know, I do. Like, let's, let's <laughs> fucking do it. You know, um, like in I, a back alley somewhere. <laughs> hey, you want to drink some rum? Yeah. He like opened his trench coat and there was like a whole bunch of rum. Um, and a little and ester point. section underneath <laughs> yeah. this pocket over here. Yeah, yeah. He was like, yo, Fiji, like, you want to And so he was actually leading the very first selection. And I kind of got involved to help him with some of the logistics. But really, it, it was this guy's like, hey, we're going to do the first one. I um, mean, he kind of felt things out. And, and right at that moment is when Reddit turned up the heat. They banned Scotch Swap, which I was a moderator of. Mm. They banned like any kind of transactions. And they were okay. incredibly heavy handed. They were reading people's private messages. People were getting banned left and right. I've actually wow. been banned. Uh, mistakenly, I will add, several <laughs> times since the genesis of this. But, you know, we landed the plane on X one and it ended up being, it was all blind. We did the statistics. It became a, you know, it was a Barbados four square mm-hmm. release. But after X one, he was like, you know what? I'm out. Like this was insane. And I've never been so stressed out. And Just I was doing primarily because of the the moderation factor from Reddit. Really, because he he didn't want to get like R slash rum banned and he didn't want to be banned permanently himself. And, you know, it was very well received. It took a little while to sell out. You know, people were very concerned that this was going to be like an instant sellout. But it was the first R rum selection. And, you know, there was it was being shipped during the holiday season in December, which we all know customs is absolutely just completely like horked. It's completely wonked. And it, it took people like, you know, like nine or 10 weeks to get bottles, but they started to land and like, he was kind of stressing through that process, but they landed and people loved them. And then, um, you know, everyone was opening their bottles because all the wax cracked, which is great. Like there was zero secondary because the <laughs> bottles arrived with like cracked wax, which is perfect. Um, totally didn't plan that, but it worked out great for us. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, and people started asking a really interesting question almost immediately after they got their bottles and they said, well, okay, you know, we did triple X one. So when's triple X two going to happen? There's a one on here. So yeah, yeah. there has to be a two. Yeah. And people were like, you know what? We, you know, we did a community aspect for designing the label. And the cool part was that the, the panel had kind of immediately agreed that like this label needs to be clean and it needs to be no bullshit. Like we wanted mm-hmm. to just say what it needs to say. And that's, that's the end of that. And people so you succeeded that with that. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's about, I have a, one of the fours here, like, it's about the most, the most minimal, everything on there exists because it has to, mm-hmm. and that's it. But people kept asking like, hey, I love Triple X one Like when's Triple X 2 going to start? And when the other guy was like, hey, I'm out, people kept looking around like, who's going to lead this thing? And yeah. it was kind of like, you're like, I will take the ring. I will like, take I, it to Mordor. <laughs> I guess that's me. Yeah. Like I will, uh, I will Frodo Baggins this all the way. Um, and it was fun. Cause I was doing, I was doing barrel stuff for our bourbon. I was kind of feeling out, like I had a very good feel for the community. Um, and that was like, I keep throwing around YOLO cause that was exactly what it was. Like people were like, who's going to do this. We need to do more rum. And I said, okay, you know, cool. Like I'll do it. Let's do it. If it fails, it fails. You know, mm-hmm. the, the, the kind of default was that we don't get cool rum anyways, and we'll just buy it from other people. Uh-huh. Um, and if it succeeds, then we have something going and we've just wrapped up a triple X six and a couple of additional high ester offerings. So it, mm-hmm. it's going quite swimmingly now. 
Yeah. I, I know we want to talk more about those, but I wanted to pick up on something you mentioned, fine drams as well, and your relationship with them. And that was one thing for, for those people who don't know and listening, that's a really great online liquor seller that does, I think, most of their business in the EU, but they do also ship to the US. Um, mm-hmm. So I was hoping to, to, that you could talk a little bit more about that relationship and how that part of it came together. And like, how does it function even now? Like, for deciding when to do picks, do you approach them? Do they approach you? Has that whole thing come together? Yeah, it's great. So first off, like I, I have, and, and I'll, I'll just lay this out flat. Like I have no business connection with Jonas and Fine Drams. It, it's purely, it's a passion thing. A lot of people ask me, like, like, hey, these got to be super profitable, right? And I'm like, no, I'm, I'm losing money. Like, the rest of you, like, like we're, we're doing this so that I can turn around and then also buy it, right? Like, I'm about to, you know, you yeah. know, I want six bottles of this or three bottles you're, of that. You're like, feeding your own habit. Exactly. Like I'm basically, yeah, just pushing myself farther down the rabbit hole. But, um, you know, you know, fine drams is amazing. And and it's kind of a two way street. Like every now and then he'll, he'll kind of elbow me and be like, Hey dude, like I got this crazy idea. Like you want to, you want to talk about it? I'm like, okay. And then sometimes, you know, I'm like, Hey, 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 maybe we should do this thing. And he'll think about it and he'll be like, no, we should definitely do it. Um, yeah. I do which that is, to Will all the time, by the way, in the <laughs> podcast. I'm like, hey, Will, we got to do this. <laughs> yeah, it, it, which, which is great. Like, like it's very, it's incredibly, like, efficient autofocus. And we laugh because that's, like, the name of our group. But it's incredibly, like, Jonas's entire goal is to, like, get the nerdy people the spirits they want. You know, his prices are extremely fair, and shipping is some of the best in the EU. Like, it's a linear price plus weight. So it's a flat fee plus whatever the box weighs, and it gets to you. But if we want to do Armagnac, like, I've done Armagnac, we've done Cognac, we've done... Uh, many, many rums at this point. We've done some scotches. He's super into it if he thinks that it's what enthusiasts are going to love. Mm-hmm. And and that's something that has really worked out well. I will say, and this this episode is not sponsored by Fine Drams or anything, but I, <laughs> like I, I've had, as a consumer, great customer service experiences with them. I ordered, you know, a, a box of you know, several different set. You can, you can order the little minis from mm-hmm. them, samples of all kinds of great rums. And I got a box of them. I think I ordered four. Only one one of them had broke. And mm-hmm. again, this is coming all the way from Europe to me in Nashville. And I I just emailed them just to let them know one of the bottles broke. And uh, they were amazingly cool about it. Offered to send me you know something whatever I wanted to replace it. It was just a, a great experience. So yeah. uh, that's that's really cool to hear that the partnership has 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 gone well. Yeah, and that and that's one of the things that we also really value is that like you know customer service is what makes and breaks something. Mm-hmm. And when I'm not physically like or you know like fiducially invested like i don't have money on the line like i want people to get their packages but also i'm not involved with the company so mm-hmm. it makes it really easy like fine jams i think it's 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 almost unheard of if your box doesn't ship within 48 hours like mm-hmm. their goal is like we get your order and we get it out and like sometimes it takes a while because it takes a long time to get stuff from denmark to the united states and and stuff yeah. like that but you know and if something breaks like we're on it and i'm thankful that people are comfortable to approach me and say hey i have a question about my box here's my order number i pass it on to Jonas, and he's like okay we're on it like boom 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 done and it's awesome like especially in like the world where amazon is king right like right. exactly right consumers yep. expect an amazon experience from everybody yeah and like it's not always possible to give them especially with domestic producers but fine drams is really like Fine drams usually arrives before some of my domestic orders, which is always the most entertaining thing to me in the world. Hmm. Yeah, this came from Denmark, and yours came from Chicago, but Denmark <laughs> arrived first. You know, like maybe maybe that's a sign, guys. Like speed it up, but. You step up your game, man. Yeah. yeah. You mentioned earlier, kind of the selection process for the Triple X releases, 
And I, I, I followed, I, I kind of came on to Reddit, I think a little bit after y'all had done the first release. And so I remember seeing those whispers of like, when you were trying to do, when you were kind of announcing too, you were like being very careful about, you know, how it was done and everything. And, uh, but I remember reading about the, the selection process and you have kind of like a panel of tasters. I, I think I remember it all being blind, but I'd love for you to speak a little bit to what the selection process is like. And I'm also curious to know just kind of what have been the biggest surprises either pleasant or unpleasant that you've experienced while tasting your way uh, to some of these selections? Sure. Yeah, that, that's an excellent question. So I come from, I, I write software for a living and I have a degree that's very like heavy into stems, like, like analysis and, and data and stuff like that. So mm. when, when um, we were talking, how do we do these panels? Like my eyes kind of lit up. I was like, yo, we're going to blind everybody. Like we're even going to blind me, like for triple X two and three, you know, you know, we talked a little bit about like, Hey, maybe what's the direction this should go. And then he's like, you know what? I got it. Like you're going to get the same blind samples as everyone else, which was super cool to me. Like I got the reveal just ahead of everyone else so I could like put it in the spreadsheet really quick and then tell uh -huh. everyone else what it was, which I'm a huge advocate of like anything I can do blind, like I can. Like it, it, if I could okay. write every single review blind, mm. it would be amazing. My fiance would kill me because <laughs> she would have to do all like, but for selections. <laughs> the same like, way with my wife. I'm like, hey, can yep. I'm going to go in the other room. Can you pour these for me? <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah, and like I've actually I've been preparing. Uh, I'll be a judge on an upcoming uh, spirits competition called the Ascots, and I've been like training really hard, my nose and stuff. And I'll be like, okay, like grab any bottles you want from this section of the yeah. basement, and then pour them. And she's like, not this again. <laughs> like, do I have to? And I was like, it takes you thirty seconds, and then I'm gonna agonize for two hours. Just like calm down, you know. But um, Rocky theme playing in the background. <laughs> yeah, and then just me, like, like my heart palpitating. Like, I'm pretty sure this is, you know, I'm, I know this is Araquenio. You know, if I'm working on agave that day, you're like, this has got to yeah. be Copper Pot. But I was really happy that he was super into doing all this extra work because some producers they just want to send you the samples. They don't want to do extra work, and he, he and his staff were like, yo, if you guys want to do, I think Triplex two and three were smaller. They were like ten samples for five people, which is okay. no small feat. And in future mm -hmm. rounds, he was like, hey why don't we go crazy? Let's do 16 samples for 12 people. And I was like, already thinking like, oh my God, the data is going to be impossible to crunch for this. But like, you know, that's the kind of willingness he brought. But yeah, it was all blind. So I, I wanted, you know, we picked people who were icons of our rum, people who were willing to put themselves on the line, people who are willing to like write and talk about rum. And, you know, I asked them first, like, hey, do you want to taste some rum for triple X two and three? And everyone, of course, was like, hell yeah. But everyone knew what they were getting into. And I was like, right. okay, you're going to get a mm -hmm. bunch like the only thing I need from you, and you don't even have to buy these bottles after we select them. Like you don't need to buy them if you don't want to, but all I need is for your willingness to write some tasting notes for each. And then at the end, like pick your order and then mm -hmm. I will do all the rest. And that's, that shook out really well. Like we got some nice word clouds from everybody. We got everybody's preferences. We got to, you know, rank choice of vote. And the thing that can like consistently surprises me is that we have never not had a clear winner. Wow. Yeah, that is surprising. Especially even as the data set gets bigger, right? Like my biggest fear is like, oh shoot, like yeah. we're gonna have so many ties and I'm gonna have to figure out how to tell the community, like, well, 30% of people like this one and 30 like there's always been a consistent one and two. And then in the cases where we take like a third or fourth cask, like there's a little bit of dissemination, but it's it's always overwhelmingly clear what the choice is. And I'm super grateful for that, but it's also very unexpected and it's consistently so. 
And, and do you do you give Jonas like a kind of a range of things you want, kind of the vibe you're going for, or is is it just him sending you a bunch of interesting stuff that he thinks you like, like mad so, scientist? Like, <laughs> uh, it, it it's funny because sometimes it ends up like that way. But you know, our our really big goal is that we didn't want to do five four square in a row, right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. So hey, we did a four square. Maybe let's let's keep that out of the panel for the next one. But as long as the price is right, the MLQ, so the minimum order quantity, like. We're buying many of these in, in thousand liter totes. So there's a lot of rum moving around. But yeah, you know, as long as things hit the price that we're looking for, they're hitting some statistic. Um, we're kind of open to anything. Like we've had some agriculture slip in, we've got some other crazy stuff that's about to come down the pipe. And it's it's really cool to just know that, hey, okay, we did, you know, a Venezuelan and we did a Barbados, mm-hmm. so those probably won't be in, but anything else is on the table right. as long as the price is right. And I actually really enjoy being kind of removed from that process as right. well. Like doing high ester, mm. we know a little bit more what we want. Those are less blind or I'll know, but I'll blind the panel. But when we're doing the triple X stuff, it's purely, I can promise you haven't had this before and that's all you know. It's a cast strength, no additive rum because that's the baseline for us. Mm-hmm. And you mm-hmm. you can probably afford it at the end. So like LFG, let's go. It's yeah. A- and on the, the high ester note, so I think it was 2019 when you, it was kind of like an additional direct, it wasn't label this part of the triple x series but that's when the uh hamden dok release came out and i was interested in just what led to the idea to do that release uh because again it was separate from the triple x series right. um did you kind of start with the idea in mind of let's let's find the highest ester run we can <laughs> and, and release it or was it like you, you knew the mark you were going for and uh and then that's how it started what was the genesis of that Sure. So DOK was fun. So we, we agreed early on that we wanted triple X to always be aged rum. Like we mm-hmm. wanted it okay. to meet, you know, Not aged it. rum, no additive, strength, like well-priced, but um, we actually started talking. So I, I, I run like a big discord where we talk about all this stuff. And as we do rounds, you know, we spin up new channels for all this stuff. And and someone had jokingly said like, Hey, like, why don't we get some crazy high ester unaged rum? And everyone was like, <laughs> oh, but, but, but we should, you know, um, and, and we talked a little bit, and, you know, I was like, you know what? I'm interested. Like, why don't I talk to, you know, to man and share. Mm-hmm. And we're like, I don't know if we should, like, I don't know if we can. And then we found out very shortly thereafter that not only could we, but the price was extremely attractive. Okay. Um, and so we all kind of talked and we're like, like this is is kind of crazy, but like not a lot of people. And at that point, we'd actually at that point nobody was doing it. Right, Someone else yeah. beat us. They released theirs one week earlier, and I won't say their name because it infuriates me. Because <laughs> um, we had just sped it up a little bit, we would have been the first bottling of DOK. I was yeah, I, I almost led the question with it was like as soon as I saw your DOK release, I started kind of seeing other ones, um, but I wasn't sure. But definitely, it was it was through you guys that it kind of came on my radar. Yeah, I, I have to imagine that we were the first, but we're also like we're very agile, but we don't move the fastest. We like to do things right. We like to like mm-hmm. we have a designer who designed the label from scratch after tasting it, mm-hmm. um, which takes a long time. And, and we're super grateful. You know, his name's Franklin. Um, I love that the design crazy. came after he tasted it, by the way. Yeah, yeah. We were like, hey, let's taste this. And once we do it, and he's like, oh, man, like I am going. And he was like, I'm all in on alchemy. And everyone was like, here, here. <laughs> and then like, that's where it went. But uh, we would have been the first. We were super close. But I, I believe in my heart that like, you know, like six months earlier when we we're like, hey, should we do this? And everyone was like, like, I guess we should. And, you know, yeah. There's nothing that's stopping us. And the, the price was perfect. It was so inexpensive. 
Um, and so many of us just bought like disgusting amounts of, of this distillate. Um, <laughs> you know, we got it 86%. We had to, of course, dilute it down to 69 and change so we could mm. ship it across the ocean. Yeah. But uh, I think it's actually better at that proof. But yeah, it, it was it was a cool exercise of like, you know, like that scene from Master Disguise, which is one of my favorite cult movies, you know, when he's like, you know, it's a plan so crazy, like it just might work. And people <laughs> right. loved it. You know, is we, that the Dana Carvey movie you're talking about? Said, yeah, yeah. Doodle. <laughs> yeah, the turtle club and like Neil Bonadena ice cream. Oh my um, goodness, that's reaching not way turtly back enough yeah. for the turtle club. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Awesome. <laughs> um, but like, I just thought of that scene when when everyone was like, <laughs> um, yeah, let's do it, you know. And everyone yeah. signed on right away. And we we tasted LROK and we tasted some uh, uh, HLFCH or mm-hmm. whatever the other mark yeah. is. Um, and you know, we tasted a bunch of stuff and we just kept coming back like. This is the higher ester, like the highest ester we can get, and the DOK was just incredible. So, there's certain rooms in my house, like I have a bunch of DOK in one corner of my basement, and if I go near there, it, it smells like dog. Smells like yeah, I yeah. love that. But it's amazing, it's fun, and it was just so cool to see people be like, "This is insane!" Like I need six bottles, and then they would buy <laughs> you know, and then like a month later they'd be like, "I bought some more," and and those sold way faster than we ever expected, and it was kind of cool, and it's what led us to believe like people are interested in this stuff and people, other people in the industry will hold that. Like you should not consume this. Like this is not meant to be consumed whatsoever. I mean, we thought it was cool. It kind of bucked a trend and it, you know, some people are like, Oh, it's the same as a quadruple IPA, like whatever. But I think it's, it's very different. Like there's a lot of substance and we're looking forward to aging some and seeing the, you know, the other aged, um, DOK expressions come out. Yeah. And I mean, even to me, like it, it may not be something that everyone wants to sit back and like kick back and relax with a glass of DOK. But I think anyone who loves rum, like just the exercise of getting to taste that yep. by itself, uh, not in a blend is to me like so instructive just about the world of rum and, and blending and things like that. It's, it's great. So I'm as, as a consumer, I'm thrilled that, uh, people like you are kind of putting that out in the world. And I know you've also in 2020, the uh, Legalian and New Yarmouth releases came as well. So was that just kind of on the heels of the the popularity of the DOK? You're just like more high Esther and these are the two places I know we want to go. Or did you kind of like try several different high Esther destinations? What led to those choices? Yeah. So we, we did those choices like we would have done any other round. We basically said, you know, DOK sold way faster than we expected to, uh, which naturally at this point, we're just self-enabling ourselves to spend all of our money. And so like, let's, let's do some more. So we, uh, we did, uh, I forget. So there was the, yeah, there was the Galleon, there's the Yarmouth, there was a diamond and then shoot, I forget what the fourth sample was, but we did it just like we did triple X. I said, mm-hmm. okay guys, Hey, you know, if you're interested, cause I always like to invite people, Hey, here's some new faces. Here's some old faces. Uh, you want to drink some rum? Like the only thing I'm going to tell you is that you're drinking rum and all I need is your honest thoughts. And now course, you're the guy in the back alley, Jay. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> my trench coat was wide open. I was just like, come and get it boys. Uh, Full circle, <laughs> which is fun too, because like, you know, I, I won't say that like people rise and fall in rum, but like people who were like, I don't really like rum at triple X one. Now we're just so deep in the rum hole that I was like, right. Hey, come join the panel. And they're like, who me? And I was like, yeah, like you've been writing about rum. Like you're putting in a ton of effort. Like, like, get over here. Let's drink some rum. And, and that like fosters the community element because we're yeah. like our attendance isn't like, we don't have like a roster, you know, like I get mm-hmm. to invite people and we talk like, Hey, you've been writing a lot about rum. Like you want to come drink some rum and pick the next triple X and 
you know, so far no one has been like, ah, you know, I'm busy, <laughs> nah, like, I'm bu- I'm busy yeah. that day. You know, everyone's like, oh, who me? It's like, not something you pass on. Yeah. 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 And like, it, it's kind of like a coveted thing at this point. Like sometimes people like message me and be like, it's been a while since it was a triple X. Like, is the one being tasted? Like, mm-hmm. will I know? Like, can I get an invite? I'm like, you know, we're, we're not trying to make it exclusive, but also at the same time, like there's only so many samples, but right. it's always fun. I try and get new faces for every single time. And we did that with the Galleon and the, uh, the Yarmouth, but it was four blind samples. Like, Hey, this is what available. This is what looks interesting. Mm-hmm. Let's taste these. We all did actually a zoom one night. Cause I was like, these are so crazy. Even if you guys talk about these after putting in your notes, like you're not going to get them. And people jammed on it for a couple of weeks. And then we said, okay, these are the picks and, and the fun the most fun for me at this point is I always tell people, okay, we're going to pick one rum, right? Mm-hmm. Like you have 10 samples. We're going to pick one rum and people agonize. They just absolutely <laughs> agonize over the difference between one and two. Yeah. And a couple of times I've had the opportunity and the privilege to say, okay, cool. So those are your top two. And everyone's like, those are my top two. And I'm like, all right, cool. We're buying them both. Let's do them both. You know? And, and like people <laughs> are like, yes, you know, like I was so concerned that like, I love two, but one was just so much better, but I wanted to buy two, two. I'm like, okay, cool. We'll buy them both. And, Sometimes we'll say, okay, you know, you tasted 10 samples. We're actually buying three because the demand is there at this point. And it's Mm. fun to see people who are like, you know, splitting hairs to figure out like, I want to drink both of these so bad. Right. right, Cool. We're doing them both. Let's go. And people are like, oh my God, this is great. So it's, 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 it's kind of like when you're watching one of those like reality competition shows, like the baking show or something like that. And they're, they're getting down to eliminating two people. And then they're like, we've decided we're not sending anyone home. This week you're both staying. It's like, oh, yeah. Yeah. And I think that's like the most satisfying for me because like, I don't know what the rum is either, but Mm -hmm. I know that, you know, I've gotten authorization to buy one, two or three based on when it is and what it is and stuff. But like knowing that I'm telling people and I always tell them like, okay, we're picking one rum. Like, let's go. And sometimes we do just pick one, but sometimes I know that secretly we're going to buy two or we're going to buy three and people, it's always good. Everyone just loses their mind. You sound like a real showman with all of this. I like, I love that you have kind of (laughs) like reveals, twists and turns and things like that. There's a top hat. I love just like how, how forcibly honest people have to be when they're blind. People are like, you know, some people are like, I know exactly what this is and, and they're willing to like stake it. And some people, Cause it's interesting too. Like there's always a, a little perceived bit of ego with tasting and, and writing reviews and stuff because you're like, Oh, well, my palate knows. Right. This. Like, mm-hmm. and I'm the first to admit, like I'm the worst. Like I've only gotten like 2% of my blind stuff. Right. So like, do do not come for me for blind stuff, but like it, it forces people to be vulnerable. And if they're willing to do it, we're going to pick the best rum, no doubt. Yeah. And everyone has always just like thrown themselves into it, head, heart and tails. And is just ready to, to go hard. And yeah. it's so far, it hasn't failed us. We've gotten some great rum. Yeah, I, I like the the fact that you ended up from blind tasting, uh, selecting Legalion and New Yarmouth. I feel like you, those picks seemed intentional to me because I feel like both of those distilleries kind of have some mystique and some like people don't know a lot about them. Uh, so it's it's really cool to hear that it was like just those just happened to be the ones that you liked the best. Uh, it, it didn't have anything mm-hmm. to do with trying to choose a, a, a mysterious destination or anything like that. Exactly. And that's something I've learned a lot from my time in the bourbon community, right? Because Mm. people will go to a distillery and like distilleries in bourbon have very routine profiles. And sometimes people go and they're like, I just want to pick the weirdest, most off profile, whatever. And I'm like, but is that the best choice? Like, no, but this is what'll sell. It's off profile. I can say like, um, and blinding people removes that element. Just like pick the best rum. We'll figure out where it's from later. But if you said it's the best and 10 out of 12 of you said it's the best, it doesn't matter where it's from. Stop right. the mind games. Yeah. You know, 
it, yeah. we got the best rum and that that's all we're here to do. And, you know, now we, we drank the best rum and stuff. And we, we actually, we had an agricole triple X six snuck in and everyone hated it the first time they drank it. This is the then, Mauritius rum, right? Yeah. And then we came back four weeks later, everyone had saved a little bit. And four weeks later, people were like, this is not the same. Like, <laughs> I love this. And we're like, so let's buy it. You know, if you didn't like it before and it's opened up beautifully, this is why we're doing it. Like you, you wouldn't have liked it before. You still don't know what it is, but it's opened up beautifully. You want to buy it now? It's so like, let's buy it. <laughs> yeah. So Jay, you've dropped a few hints so far, but I was hoping we could maybe find out a little bit more about what's next from aficionados. Is is there a triple X seven? Is there a triple X seven and eight in the works? Anything you can tell us about what's coming up? Sure. So um, I can't I can't tell you exactly what it is, um, and I don't know quite when this will air. So this this will be as much a surprise to myself as to the rest of you. But uh, I can tell you it's going to be old. It's not going to be a triple X. It's going to be kind of adjacent, much like the high ester. Um, but gotcha. instead of being uh, RFE, you know, really fucking high ester, um, it's going to be really <laughs> old. So and I, I I'm excited for people. Like I know what it is. Uh, the tasters know what it was. We we have some some stuff up our sleeve, but it's uh. It's going to be old and you're going to be able to afford it, which is surprising. Excellent. You don't hear like, those two things together exactly. very often. Yeah, like old and affordable, like really fast <laughs> paths, but um, it's really old. It's really affordable and I can't wait for people to try it. Awesome. Yeah, we'll definitely have our eyes open for that. So I, I want to shift a little bit to the review and tasting side of things. I mentioned at the beginning over 1900 reviews since 2015. That's a lot. I think yeah. I'm not the first to describe you as being prolific when it comes to tasting and reviewing. And given the engineering background you talked about, it sounds like you're very process driven. So you you talked a little bit about the schedule you have on a weekly basis, but can you walk us through what an average week looks like and how much planning is involved, not just from a scheduling standpoint, but from a, do you, you, know, do you focus on certain types of spirits on different days? And just what is your, what does your system look like? Sure. So I'll be the first to admit, yeah, I have an engineering background. I also write software. And those two things have been my biggest asset in all of this. Um, I believe that the future of mankind for us living more comfortably, us living more efficiently is through automation. And so I, I employ that to a great deal myself. And uh, I, I, I do what's known as circular tasting. So obviously the human body can only do so much. And I'm very aware of that. I want to be healthy. I want to be around for a very long time. Mm -hmm. My goal is to like, I'm young, like I'm only 28, which I think is kind of cool too. Now that people know who I am and how old I am and stuff, but you know, I'm going to outlive a lot of people that are currently, you know, other icons in the spirits industry. So I want to be healthy and, and be useful when I'm old. So no reason going crazy. So I do circular tasting. So I taste um, a couple of things every single day, but I don't write a review on a single tasting alone. Okay. You know, I like to taste like, hey, maybe this is the first thing I'm tasting today. Maybe it's in the middle tomorrow. Maybe it's the very last thing I taste. And I, I take notes. That's all recorded in a database. I grab the different sessions. I blend the notes together. I kind of, uh, you know, I try and keep things that I, I consider like pollutants. So like super Isla, super funky, mm -hmm. some crazy like ricias, like agave. Cause I, I, I try and taste as much stuff as I can. I kind of ignore vodka because it's boring, but I have written about vodka in the past. Okay. I think it's vodka is, is great for a lot of people. I don't think it's the most interesting spirit, but I, I, I think that a lot of craft producers are creating really great vodka, but yeah. I only have so many dollars, so I don't run out and buy tons right. of vodka, yeah. especially since I don't really sit around and just be like, ah, I have vodka. You know, yeah, it's probably right. the only thing I, I'll probably make a just sacrifice have a, somewhere. 
Yeah. So, you know, I love gin, but my, my big goal is that I want to give people not only the value of, Hey, I've tasted over several days, but like things like your mood and your cuisine Mm -hmm. and even like how your sinuses are doing really affect those things. So if I can take three samplings through different nights, um, those all go in a database. Those all get blended into tasting notes. And really I, I just go where I'm feeling. I'm thankful that, you know, I work for Whiskey Raiders now, which is a, a thing, like I'm a managing editor. I'm the critic there under Dan Abrams. Mm-hmm. Like clearly it's my job to write a lot about whiskey, but I'm thankful to have the flexibility that today's Wednesday. I don't really feel like drinking whiskey, so I'm not gonna. I'll drink something else. I'll drink rum or I'll drink agave or some days I wake up and I'm like, my palate is shot. Like my allergies are terrible. Like I'm sneezing all day. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm just gonna have some tea and go to bed. So do you ever, like I get that, but do you ever also suffer from like, palate fatigue just generally does that happen to you and if so like how do you deal with that then do you just like step away for a day or is it a week or i notice it it's usually a day um if i get palate fatigue like especially some weekends i'm tasting a lot of spirits especially like i'm trying to work out and kind of prep for some for some other tasting stuff coming up but you know the moment where i'm like i'm not getting anything out of this i'm not tasting it i'll try something mm-hmm. different you know i'm not getting anything out of this i have other work to do i just get up you know, I wash my glasses and go do something else. The, the, the palate, I won't say it's like mysterious, but there's nothing I can do that's going to like magically jolt my palate back into being awesome. So I may as well just go be productive in some other way and I'll come back and taste tomorrow. And mm-hmm. I think uh, a lot of people assume that I taste a lot of this stuff because I have to. And my biggest, my biggest motivation is that like, I still taste because I want to, like, it's still mm-hmm. a huge passion of mine. And some days like you just don't feel like doing your biggest hobby. So go do something else. Like there's cleaning to be done. There's organization you know, I maybe need to clean up some notes and get some posts ready, but board games, basketball, it's all type of things. Up. Yeah. Go play with my dog, <laughs> like throw around in the backyard, like stuff like that. But you know, the, the day that all of this stuff begins to feel like curmudgeonous work is the day mm-hmm. that any passion goes out the window and, that, and that's the last thing I want. So if yeah. I'm not feeling it, I'll go have a diet Coke and do some yard work. And if it's back later, cool. And if not tomorrow or next week, but I try and taste enough things that even if I need to take a week off or like, I like to take vacations like normal people, um, yeah. there's enough stuff in the hopper to, to keep the, uh, the masses interested. I've heard vodka is a good palate cleanser. <laughs> it makes a great bloody mary but that's because you can't taste it and i'll admit like craft vodka is amazing like i like great lakes distillery here in milwaukee their race horse like ray horsed vodka is lovely but it still isn't going to have half as much character as literally any rum that exists Definitely, <laughs> and that's agree. just the truth with vodka <laughs> yep so your scoring scale uh, on your reviews has been adopted in so many places to the point that it actually took me some time to realize that you popularized that format. Can, can you explain the philosophy behind the scoring scale and, and what you like about it relative to, to other ones that are out there? Sure. Yeah. So it is fun. I've actually, I pivoted it to myself, I think in like 2016 or 2015. Um, and I never expected anyone to pick up on it, which is cool. You know, I was like, well, I'm doing this for me. But the one thing that enraged me is that coming from a math background, I realized, and I wrote my first like 115-ish reviews using the American, I don't know, Robert Parker zero to 100 scale. Mm -hmm. But what annoyed me is that you had 100 points of resolution Mm -hmm. and by default, you were expected to use, I don't know, 25 of them. So (laughs) like, like, and maybe, I mean, everyone that uses the 100 point, like you get a random guy, it's like, oh, 42, you know. (laughs) Um, But what irked me about the scale was that you were only expected to use a quarter of it. And any given day, I could not, discern the difference between an 85 and an 86. Mm -hmm. Like if someone Mm -hmm. asked me, 
hey, um, I see you gave Springbank 12, and I, and I can't remember what's mad, but like, hey, you gave Springbank 12 and 87, but you gave McAllen 12 and 86. What, what the hell? The yeah. Or like, <laughs> those are like, scotches, by the way. For the I know that they're <laughs> scotches. Yeah. I, um, I, I may be mostly into rum, but I have some awareness. Yeah. And it was Aberlore, um 12 non chill filtered was the review where I sat down and I was like, this is not working. And I knew that, okay, I've done 115 of these, so I'm not going to stop anytime soon. And like, like efficiency is something I concerned myself with. And I was like, okay, so eventually you're going to re you're going to overhaul and change all this. So why don't you sit down and figure it out now? And I like, I had a whiteboard in my apartment and I like sat down for a while and kind of thought about things. But, um, I realized that I can't tell the difference between 85 and 86. Maybe someone out there can, but there's enough variation in palette and mood that I wanted to break things and glump them together. And I wanted there to be a scale that had a clear midpoint. Like mm-hmm. there's no sense in having, a hundred points or 50 points or 20 points in resolution. If the very first thing you admit to is that you intend to not use a, a right. vast majority of them. So yeah, um, I figured I would tinker around. I would do one to 10. Mm-hmm. And if I needed to, I'd fix it later. You know, I still going through and refactoring a hundred things takes a couple of hours. Now refactoring 2000 things takes a week and I, yeah. I don't do that, but I ended up kind of postulating on and thinking about it and people were open to it and I used it for a while and I really liked it. And then people would be like, Hey, you know what? I'm actually, I'm going to, is it like, people kept asking me like, Hey, is it, is it cool if I use yours? And I was like, well, <laughs> it's public domain. Like I put it out there, like anyone that wants it, use it. So just open take it. source. Yeah. Like, and that's <laughs> like, I'm writing open source software. <laughs> yeah. Also like just use my open source rating scale. So, um, <laughs> and people really liked it. They were like, this breaks it down because a lot of people I found out were really getting stressed. Like, I'm writing everything in 86. I don't understand it. They'd be mm-hmm. like, how do I know the difference between a 97 and a 98? Or even worse, there's reviewers out there, um, and I won't name them by name, but it's it's one of my biggest pet peeves. And they're like, nothing can be better than a 94. Then like, <laughs> like your, say, your scale is a 94. Right, 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 right. Exactly. 94. Like, exactly. Uh, That's like a teacher that says, I never give students A's. I had no one figure. of those in college, sorry. How, so I assume then, based on that, you've given a perfect 10 score. Yeah, I have. I actually, I gave one um, in 2017. It was uh, a Scotch whiskey, uh, okay. Scotch Malt Whiskey Society 26.105, which is a 28-year clinical named Bumblebees by the Sea. And then earlier this year, Hermogenes uh, made a really great Tepestade, which is a uncertified mezcal that was bought mm, yeah. by Miguel Malati. And it was it was perfect. It was amazing. It was 10 out of 10. So have you ever given a perfect 10 to a rum then? I think I haven't. No, but I, I know it's out there. But it's I'm, out there. That's right. Maybe I'm fine. Keep, keep going until you find it. Do you do you know in the cases of those two tens? Was it an immediate? This is a ten, or Epiphany. did you like? Does it hit you all at once, or did you have to think about it for a little bit? So I, the first time I drank it, I was like, you know what, this is insane. I love everything about this, and and I I was like, this has got to be. And I was like, you know what, we'll come back. We'll come back another day. Maybe today I'm just feeling especially amazing. Like maybe I just slept great last night. Like maybe nothing can go wrong today. Yeah. Um, and I didn't even get to the third tasting for both of those. The second time I drank it and and the first time too, for the bumblebees by the sea, I had a bunch of buddies over. Uh, we were drinking Brora. We were drinking Rosebank. We were drinking St. Magdalene, which are other just like kind of grail scotches. And I was like, you know mm-hmm. what? This one is amazing. I love everything about this, but I'm five or six strings deep. I'm coming back to it. <laughs> and I came back to it and I was like, this is still this like, this is incredible. And I was like, I know it. This is a 10. And, and the fun part too is that other people have rated and they're like, you know, it's an eight. And I'm like, that's fine. Like, that's you. Like, that is sure. your palette and it's cool. Yeah. But if you plopped one of these down in front of me, this is a 10 all the time. And Hermogenes Tepestade was exactly the same way. At the second tasting, I was like, this is not going to get better. This is fantastic. 
Hmm. So, Jay, on your Whiskey Raider site, which you mentioned a little bit earlier, uh, I took a look there and I was looking at some of the, the bio stuff there and something stuck out to me that I found was very interesting and was hoping you could expand upon a little bit. There's a part there that says you're trying to help others to, quote, think more critically about spirits and learn the complexities of analytical drinking, end quote. Sure. So can you tell us what is analytical drinking and what that approach does for you and would do for rum drinkers? Yeah, totally. So the biggest thing that people always approach me is they say, hey, I wish I was as talented as you are. I've been drinking for a couple of weeks or a month or maybe a year, and I just don't get any notes at all. Like, I just, I don't get it. It's ethanol and it gets me drunk. And like, I don't get it. I'm like, well, what have you done? Like, have you tried to think about this stuff at all? And they're like, no, I haven't. I just drink every now and then and it doesn't come to me. And, I, and I'm like, I totally get it. Like, this isn't natural. Right. Like, there's no class in high school that's like drinking spirits, you know. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, like, you know, you don't just wake up one day and want to run a 5K. I mean, at least I don't. Like, I'm out of shape. But like, maybe uh, some yeah. people get up yeah. and just run a 5K or, I've never you know, had get the it. urge. Yeah, or are incredibly good marksmen. Like those things take work and it's very unconventional for you to wake up one day and be like, hey, I want to develop my palate, but that requires an equal amount of work. And all those things are based around kind of memory connection and like neuron connection. But if you don't know what something smells like, how are you ever going to equate it to something that you're drinking? And a lot of people like, you know, how can you get nutmeg and cinnamon? And how can you get notes like coriander? And like, and I asked them like, do you know what coriander smells like? And they're like, no, I have no idea. And I'm like, well, of course you're not going to get it, which isn't like a judgment, but like you need to go and smell those things, like make memories associated with them. Go to, you know, pre-COVID, like go to the spice, I'll go to Whole Foods and smell everything in Whole Foods. And it might feel kind of dumb, but you're going to pick up, hey, I smell apple pie. That's cinnamon. That's nutmeg. That's buttery pastry. That's obviously apple. There's a little bit of caramel. And those notes just come to you. And that's what I encourage people to do is I'm not some crazy talented special crazy gift by god taster it's just like Mm -hmm. i know what things smell like and i'm very good at putting those to words and i think once people learn that for themselves the entire world of spirits is their gateway and there's still i still write down like smell i can't recognize and i go and try and think about it like there's some mescal until i was like oh that actually smells like ammonia i was doing some cleaning i was like (laughs) like this and it's like hard to be like, it's enticing and it smells like ammonia, but like that smell is there. And then once you make that connection, you'll never forget it. And that's to me is the heart of analytical drinking. And we get that with rum too. Like people are like, Hampton smells funny. Like uh, it just smells funny. I don't know what it smells like. I'm like, go smell some bananas, go smell some brown sugar, yeah. go smell, even go smell gasoline a little bit. And people are like, yep. oh, it, it does smell like rotting fruits. It smells like pepper and yeah. sulfur yeah. and tobacco. And then they immediately get it. And I think that's the coolest thing. So it's I, almost like, learning a language right in a, in a way yeah. in a in a different way i mean the language is there but it's learning how to express that language and building the connections like you said and and there's an aspect too and I, and I love to draw on it because the spirits world is so dominated by men but every woman i've met has mm. an exceptional palette compared to the male counterpart and that's you know and i won't like you know it's not like oh women belong in the kitchen but like women have historically spent a lot of time in the kitchen and that's where you experience tons of smells and they don't know it but I can hold something up to my fiance and be like, smell this. And she's like, huh, raspberries and pepper. And I'm like, thank you. You know, um, and she's like, just so in tune. And, and you know, they're, they're known to have better olfactory, but also just more experience smelling different strange things. And whether you know it or not, your brain is making those connections. And when mm-hmm. you're smelling spirits and tasting them, your brain is looking for those connections so you can explain things. Yeah, it's funny. I've been, I constantly wish I was better at being able to articulate what I'm tasting in spirits. 
And I've started to try to get more intentional about smelling things. And last night, my wife and I were making a pizza and she had like, you know, some jalapenos cut up over here and some red onions cut up over here. And I was just kind of like putting my face down to each ingredient smelling. And she's like, what are you doing? I was like, I'm <laughs> just smelling these onions. Like, yeah, you know, why would it's fun I? to me? Like, I love it is, being yeah. in a place and I'm like, and, and my fiance laughs because like uh, we used to live in an apartment and someone had just brought a pizza up the elevator and I sat in the elevator and I was like, I'm pretty sure that was like a sausage and pepperoni pizza. And she's like, would you stop sniffing? And I was like, but I'm interested. Like, this is cool to me. And now like, I don't know if I'm right. Like the person with the pizza obviously still isn't here, but I'm curious to give it a whiff. Yeah. I see you in the elevator doing like, like licking your finger. That's pizza. That's going to be a uh, 10 inch. Uh, it's going to have mozzarella mixed with uh, triple cheese. This is a thick crust if I've ever smelled. Yeah. Um, so you, you pointed out a few different things just then things people can do to get better. Any, anything else that you can think of just in your own kind of journey specific meaningful actions you've done that have been really helpful at improving tasting articulating your impressions of a spirit other than other than what you've already mentioned yeah i mean so so smell is is the biggest component obviously if if you're like never be afraid to write down like i don't know because that's my biggest kind of pull like there is a note that i don't get here like i get i'm just breaking down like so you know i'm smelling hampton like there's some nice oak here there's like pepper mm. there's toffee there's that funky fruit and just be like, there's also something I don't know. And that reminds you the next time you come back, like, think about it. Are you getting right. something different? Are you maybe not getting something you got before? Are you getting something extra? And that's not to say it'll immediately trigger your brain, but especially I drink a lot of spirits and sometimes I forget what I don't know. Notes come and go, but if you're like, hey, there was something here that I just couldn't figure out the last time. Mm-hmm. And it might encourage you, like, I think I'm close. Like maybe it's basil maybe it's like rosemary, like, run upstairs, go smell some basil rosemary, see if it checks out, like passes the sniff test. But I think people are, are generally just afraid to admit they're like, I don't know. And there's times I've written review and said like, Hey, I, it, something funky. Like I can't quite figure it out. And I've been trying for a long time. And every now and then someone will pop in the comments and be like, Hey, I got this note. Maybe that's that. And I'm like, Oh, tomatoes, you know, or Oh, papaya. That's totally mm-hmm. it. Why didn't it come to me? And, and that's kind of the fun community aspect. But other than that, just like drink lots of stuff. Maybe don't drink a lot of it, but there's no shame in pouring five glasses of tiny pours and comparing right. and contrasting or, or, you know, it's fun Frequency to travel. Frequency and, and volume aren't the same thing. Right. Exactly. Like we all got bodies, like take care of them, yeah. please, especially in, in the terms of COVID. But it's also fun back when I used to travel a lot, like I'd be someplace and be like, I have no idea what this is on the menu. Like I'm going to just order it. Let's see what's up, you know? Yeah. Hmm. And maybe it's a spirit, it's an Amaro or a liqueur or something you don't recognize and if you like it, that's great. And if you don't, like you tried something new and you didn't have to buy a whole bottle of it to realize that you exactly. hate board or something. But, yeah, you know, people are people are afraid to admit that they don't know stuff and they're afraid to try something new. So get out there. And I get it. Like spirits are expensive. We all have budgets. But if you can get a pour or some, you have no idea what it's going to be like at a bar. You might yeah. just like it. And if not, send it back and get a beer, whatever, you know. (laughs) (laughs) So we talked a little bit about some of the best rums and and drinks that you've ever had and reviewed. One thing I often struggle with, however, is to give feedback on a rum or or a spirit that I don't really care for much. Sure. And I I, I mean, I guess I'm, I'm fine at saying it's bad. 
<laughs> it's, oh, this is bad. But I don't always know how to point out what I think needs to be adjusted or changed to do something to improve it. I imagine with all the reviews you've done, you've encountered some that you don't care for as much. And what's been your strategy for that? And do you offer how to improve it or think about it differently? Or And I'll add to that before you answer, especially when you're in front of somebody, like okay. in person. Like, wow, that's a tough one. And how do you navigate that? <laughs> yeah, so I think there's there's two very clear things. Uh, you know, there's there's no shame. And oftentimes people want to know what you dislike more than they want to know what you like, especially mm. brand producers. And that feels mm. kind of counterintuitive because you assume that brand producer is giving you something that they think is the best ever. And mm-hmm. it's very like brand producers are you know, naturally passionate. They're also paid to be passionate about a product. Yeah. But I feel offering constructive criticism is the best. And I don't, like everyone says like, oh, be constructive. But, you know, saying, hey, this is bad doesn't help anybody because you're not explaining, you know, maybe I think it's bad and you might think it's amazing. And we'll we'll take something that I think is is a pretty safe bet here, but I feel particularly strong about like um, stolen smoked rum. We, I think we can, I'm we laughing can agree. Because I just came across, I was going back through some of your old reviews and that was the lowest one I found. And I was like, that that <laughs> rum, I think every review I've ever read has, has been universally on the low side of things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, so th- that's easier, right? So we have a common experience there. So, if, if, you know, if I was talking to them like, hey, it's easy to say, you know what, this rum is bad. And I think nobody would second guess that. No one would say, are you sure? But a more useful way to communicate is say, hey, I think this rum is bad, but I also think that there's ways that this rum could be improved. And I think this rum is bad because maybe, you know, the smoked element is too strong. And for my palate, that is, it, it's aggressive. It's covering up the notes that I would have hoped to find. Mm. Um, this rum could be greatly improved probably by a boost in ABV because it tasted thin and smoky, like, like an ashtray. And let's dial back those smoke. Like, like I think that the base rum might not be too bad here, but it's been completely covered up by notes that I don't particularly enjoy. So let's dial back the ashtray. Maybe we'll boost the mouthfeel. We'll give it a proof. Like it's, it's priced. Okay. Like that's a great place to be like, uh, that's probably the best thing that you can say about stolen smoked rum is that it's priced pretty well. Unfortunately, <laughs> no one wants to spend that very reasonably priced bottle because it's, it's, it's loud. It's obnoxious. It's very clearly meant to be a mixer, but no producer, like any producer is going to love it. You say, Hey, I think this is okay. Like, it's not for me. Here's what the reasons that I think are like that. And I've had great luck telling some producers other than the, the Yabos that make Terrapier, which is a whiskey that's like put in a reactor to like speed up aging and get like 16 years of aging in six days. Like that will never work. And I'm, I'm completely happy to tell them that whatever they're doing, they should stop and go like find another industry or like get a hobby or <laughs> settle down and like go to finance or something. But like, that's not like, that's not common. Like nothing is, is usually so bad. It can't be salvaged. And even some rums, that I, I I don't typically enjoy as much. Like, and I'll go. I'll, I'll give a hot take here. Like, I think Foursquare is fine. I think Foursquare is really safe. It's extremely bourbony. That's why people love it. It, it is bourbony. Yeah. Um. And that's and you know coming from a bourbon background, like I love when people are like, "Hey, I'm from bourbon," and I'm like, "Cool." And they're like, "I'm getting into rum," and I'm like, "Yes." And they're like, "I found Foursquare, and I'm never going farther." And I'm like, "No." <laughs> you know, like it's a roller coaster, and I'm like, "But you were so close." Um, like Foursquare is great, but Foursquare is very similar. And it's great because it's similar. Like when you buy Foursquare, 
you know exactly what you're getting. But in my that's, opinion... Yeah, I, I was just going to say, that's one of the things, you know, that it's easy, I think, to see the new ECS release coming out from Foursquare and be like, oh, I got to have it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think one of the things that I appreciate about it is I don't feel like I have to get every single one because I'm not saying they taste exactly the same, but there is that consistency of profile. Um, and that that's fine to me. I love that I know what I'm going to get with each one and there are going to be some differences, but uh, there's probably going to be something I like in there. But yeah, I kind of interrupted. So please oh, no, you're only, cool. I only get the ones I can pronounce. <laughs> <laughs> you have a syllable limit under, under right. four syllables. You'll get that one. <laughs> only so um, many vowels. Yeah, but I mean, that's a really great point too. And and some of what fascinates me most about spirits, right? Like four squares, that 10% rum, like that 10% product, we're like, okay, it's cool. I always know about what it's going to taste like. I can probably formulate in my mind what I think it's going to taste like. And I think it's going to taste cool. I'll spend the 100. Now it's 120, whatever bucks. Um, mm-hmm. But the things I love about other rums, and especially mezcal and agaves, is I can know what's going in them. And I know the background of who produced them, where they're produced, their production method. And I still have no idea what they're going to taste like. And that yeah. is what intrigues me so much more. And that's like the passion I try and give people for rum. Like, and they're like, oh, I love buying Foursquare because I know exactly what it's going to taste like. And I'm like, cool. Okay, so you're getting the 10% of rum. Like, let's right. go for the next 90%. Yeah. Especially, you know, MOBA is great or like some of the Nissan and the yeah. Nissan, you know. Or the Clarins. Like, yeah, or the Clarins. Like, that. Yeah. I should have an idea of what this is going to taste like, but that it's not going to be a reality. And I got to taste it for myself. So I go out and buy it. That's that's kind of my, it, it's hard to criticize Foursquare. What they do, they do incredibly well, but it's similar. It's consistent almost to a fault. And and I like to tell people, like, I just wish Foursquare was more interesting, like Clarine over here, you know, which is always <laughs> super interesting. And that's kind of where criticism's easy to give in a, a very opaque way that doesn't help anybody because mm. people are very good at saying, I hate this or it's bad. Yeah. It's very hard to say, even I think stolen smoked rum could be salvaged. Like there's a lot of work that needs to be done there. But if you communicate it clearly, like, hey, let's dial back that smoke. Like, let's bump up that proof. Let's maybe mm-hmm. not filter it. I think you could have a great product there. But right now that product is not where it needs to be. And as a result, it's bad. And that's kind of my my approach there to mm. bring it back to your question. Also, yeah. uh, in full credit to stolen for stolen overproof, which I think is fantastic. It uh, is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hampton, uh, rum, but yeah. Six year. Oh, I love it. It's I mean, great. And it's so funny because, you know, on one side of my mouth, I'm like, stolen smoke drum sucks. And on the other side of my mouth, I'm like, but I'll take six more of the overproof. Please, <laughs> yeah, <you know>? yeah. <laughs> and that's exactly how it is. Like, I am not a brand, like, I, I consider myself very brand agnostic. Like, one brand can do, apart from, like, humanitarian philanthropic things. Like, mm-hmm. if you're terrible to people, I'm probably going to write your, like, your products off. But if you make yeah. one product that I don't love and you make even one or more products that I do love, I'm not going to fault you for the bad guy. I'm just not going to buy it looking right. at the plantation. Like, you know, I'll buy the stuff I like unless you're terrible to people and then I'll buy none of it. But that's kind of off topic there. I've always got stolen overproof. I've never not buy it when I see it for 17 bucks here in Wisconsin. It's cool. Yeah. And, and just to return to what you're talking about, the variety in rum, I think John and I talk about that on the show all the time, just because that's like one of the things that's just that hooked us from the beginning and kept us coming yep. back was just the wildly different experiences you can have yep. from one region to the other. And that's another thing that I appreciate about the triple X series. Um, I, we, we didn't mention, you know, where all the, we mentioned a few of them, but you guys have done Foursquare, Venezuela, 
uh, Dominican Republic, Fiji, Mauritius, Mauritius. Mm-hmm. Jamaica. So yeah. all, all over the rum world. And there's still like so many other places and styles yeah. you could go to next. So it's exciting. Um, yeah. yeah, that's one of the great things about it. And, and I mean, spirits in general. Rum isn't the only spirit with diversity, but it certainly has a, a really large amount of it. Yeah, I mean, beyond, I mean, rum and agave are two of the most just complex, mm-hmm. wild, crazy. Like, I love whiskey. I will always have a background in whiskey, and I will be the first to admit that whiskey, there's a variety, especially in Scotland, there's variety in America. It's very tight. But mm-hmm. once you break outside of whiskey, it's it's just incredible, and it's so fascinating to me how much diversity there is, both in production method and prices, but you can just get so much, like, you can get rum that meets any flavor profile and you can do the same with agave and they won't yep. taste remotely similar. But I've never been like, hey, I'm, I'm going to drink agave tonight and not been able to find something that fit my mood. Like yeah. some nights I'm like, I don't want to drink whiskey. I've never been like, I want to drink agave, but I can't think of one that interests me. Or I've never been like, tonight's a rum night and I couldn't find one that like fit the, the profile I wanted. Mm-hmm. And that's so cool to me. Yeah, I agree completely. I love it for that reason. As a former bourbon guy as well, and I say <laughs> former bourbon guy, I still drink bourbon every now and then. But like you said, you go back to it. I think there's kind of a place for both. There's sometimes you yeah. want a consistency. I don't mean in spirit categories. I meant more like you had mentioned consistency versus range. And sometimes the consistency is nice, like for instance, a Foursquare. And then other times you really do want to be adventurous and you really do want to find that new interesting thing. So I love that rum accommodates both of those. Exactly. And yeah. at every price range too. Like it's not like right. if you want interesting rum, like saddle up and drop three hundred bucks on a bottle. Like there's interesting rum for fifty bucks. Yep. And yeah. I mean, go get a bottle of Ray and Nephew Overproof. You know. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So Jay, obviously you've been very successful with your reviews, and I know that there are so many other review sites and so many people uh, doing it in platforms out there. If there's someone out there who wants to start their own site or review blog whether it's just for fun or, or because they feel they have a unique perspective or, uh, or that it has value somehow that they want to bring or whatever, what would be maybe your biggest two or three points of advice that you would give somebody that's just starting out like that? Sure. So I'll give you two process and one technical. Um, okay. My technical is do not use Squarespace. Learn how to use WordPress. <laughs> Save yourself money, time, frustration. Uh, I'm hiding you can right do. now because our, our Rumcast <laughs> website is on Squarespace. No, it's okay. Like, like <laughs> Squarespace is, is amazing at making beautiful websites. If you want to like write your own reviews and like make them display in very intricate and fun and like performant ways, uh, like, like my wedding website's on Squarespace. So I'm totally the same way. It is beautiful. It's functional. It's easy. Right. Um, but if you want to write a review site, do it on WordPress. You'll thank yourself later just because, you know, if you're going to hack your own reviews, you may as well hack apart your own website, learn some new skill at the same time. I think WordPress is yeah. great for that. I know that's outside the vein of where you're going. So I'll, I'll give you two useful tips on top of it. Um, never be afraid to go back and revise a review. Um, never, hmm. you know, just whether you want to taste something one time or 10 times, the only thing I can say is, without fault is that you will learn more about your palate every single time you taste something. And if you write a hundred reviews and go back and taste that review number one and are like, holy cow, this is totally different. Then go ahead and revise it be like, Hey, I tasted this again. I got some different notes. I added it first and foremost, if you're doing this for other people at first, you're doing it for you. Unless you have some really great traffic strategy. I don't know about unless you're making a million bucks a day on hits that I like, I haven't figured out myself. I think that if you're going to write reviews, sure, you're doing it for other people, but the first person that's going to benefit is you. So you may as well give yourself the benefit of the doubt. And on top of that, like split bottles with your friends. 
it's incredibly expensive to review 2000 spirits. I will not yeah, lie and say that I've, I've bought 2000 bottles because I haven't. It's super fun yeah. to get 10 of my buddies and say, Hey, let's split this bottle. Let's all get two ounces. We all are better for the experience. It was easier during COVID and never be afraid. If someone gives you criticism, I, I think it's really important. Years ago, I wish I was more mature. It was easy for people to criticize me and I would immediately be like, ha ha ha, you know, Take, take whatever they wrote and think about it for like five or six minutes and think about the pro of what they said and the con. And sometimes you won't find a pro, like there are nasty people on the internet. But if you spend five minutes thinking about it, you at least know afterwards, like, hey, I thought about this pretty closely. And yeah, that person's a humongous piece of shit. But um, right. usually, usually people on the internet, and especially maybe it's just like a Reddit thing, are good at trying to make a point, but they're very bad at making it. So if you can kind of dig mm -hmm. through what they're saying, like there's usually something of substance, even if it's, Hey, I tried this. I thought very differently. And then they're like, I thought your review was garbage. Like, you know, internally, like people always disagree with you. So get rid of the offensive part, but think, Hey, if they're like, I thought this was a banana bomb, that's a really great reference point for you to go back and taste it. And if you disagree, totally cool. Like maybe there isn't banana at all, but if you go back and like, you know what, maybe that's that thing I, I wrote down that I couldn't figure out. It's totally banana. Then you have a great way to make rapport with someone and say, hey, you know what, I, I tasted it again. That was totally banana. And now you, you've kind of helped each other. So, you know, hmm. not everyone writes reviews for like a community aspect, but since I'm so kind of like steeped in it, like if people are going to give you their feedback, which you're inviting by posting your review online, right. You know, you may as well make the best of it. And 30% of it's garbage anyways, and you're just going to delete it. But no one's life is too busy that you can't spend five minutes and think about a thought that someone took the time to write down. And, you you know, your review process is probably going to be better for it. I also just think one of the biggest favors you can do for yourself and like your own mental health in the online world is is not respond right away to anything that's negative or someone just being a total asshole like even if they you know deserve whatever the first thought is that comes in your head it almost like is always just more beneficial to at least just wait like five minutes like come back to it and exactly and see how you tip. feel then and like yeah. my personal policy because like i i get a lot of emails i get a lot of comments my personal policy is to respond immediately to like an informational request so like hey mm. um so and so here just a quick question this bourbon barrel is it going to be for sale today and if i know the answer right away no, or yes, or maybe tomorrow, you know, but if someone is expressing an opinion, like, okay, you took the time to formulate that opinion. Let me think about it for a minute. Like you don't need to just like sit down at your table and be like, mm, and, yeah. and think like if I'm grilling, like, I'll just think about like, okay, you know what they said this, you know, is there merit there? Have I heard this before? And you know, if, if especially if like 30 people tell you the same thing, like, okay, like maybe mm -hmm. I should like think a little harder, but yeah, respond right away to informational stuff and take five minutes to think about opinions unless you know, uh, I assume you guys aren't like strangers, like strong language, but some guys just like, fuck you, then just move on from that. Like yeah. nothing, nothing of value is happening there. Just yeah. that guy's having a terrible day and he spoiled his own fun. But typically people comment because they feel like they need to be heard. And if you feel like you listen and respond in kind, you'll probably learn something. And if not, then the person feels heard. Maybe you've turned around their day. And that's yeah. just, I think, internet yeah. 101. But those are my those are my three tips for for uh, starting your own review site. I like them. Very good. 
So one of the things we talk about a lot is which rums to recommend to people who like other kinds of spirits. But given your experience tasting across so many different categories, I always really enjoy like 90% of the time I'm drinking rum, but I do enjoy drinking other spirits categories because I find it instructive to my enjoyment of rum. And it's just interesting, you know, to taste something new and different. So Mm -hmm. I'd love if you're up for it to try spinning that around and seeing what other spirits you might recommend people who like particular styles of rum. So if someone likes a certain kind of rum, but wants to venture into other spirits categories, I'm curious if you could maybe recommend either a spirit category or maybe a specific brand or something like that. Um, And I know this can be tough to do, and I'm kind of putting you on the spot. So um, if you're not up for it, it's totally fine. But if you are, I think it could be cool. No, I love this. I think this is super cool. So okay, um, I will say that if you like things like uh, Clarine, those those really... uh, I won't say like they're not dirty, but they taste dirty. Like they're we very flavorful. We were just flavorful. talking about this on our <laughs> yeah. last episode because I sent a sample of uh, Hampton 46 to someone okay. who is not a rum drinker. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was talking about how we're both big basketball fans. And he had just shown his his wife this clip of this rookie for the Minnesota uh, Tim- Timberwolves just throwing down this like nasty dunk on another player. And she said that rum, it's it's a filthy Anthony Edwards dunk. And I was like... Filthy, not in the bad sense, but you know, it, it's like a good. It's it's not like uh, meant to talk down. These are still amazing products, uh, but it's it's that's funny. We we just talked about that. Yeah, and some of my favorite like positive adjectives are like, "Wow, this tastes filthy!" Like, give me more. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, so I I would say so. Yeah. So. Um, and maybe, maybe this is getting too fine. If you really like Clarine, you know, any of those crazy, you know, Haitian funky rums, you should mm-hmm. definitely check out Ricea. Ricea is a sister of agave made in Mexico. Okay. It has those really phenolic vinegar, olive notes, like blue cheese, olive martini that I love mm-hmm. in some of the Clarine. Mm-hmm. Um, if you, I know we just kind of came out of this. If you really like things like Foursquare, maybe a Guyana rum, mm-hmm. uh, bourbon, bourbon and rye are going to be perfect for you. Mm-hmm. If you enjoy uh, maybe Cuban rum a little bit more, maybe some of those like West Indies or uh, like Dominican, like scotch, I think is going to open up. Like those have those nice bready notes, a little bit of pepper without being that big brown sugar note that bourbon tends to have. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Uh, Hampton. Hampton's kind of tough. So like unaged Hampton, I think goes really great with mezcal. Like you're getting that earthy terrar. I love you're mezcal. getting yeah. You're getting like those funky ammonia. You're getting those rotting fruits in like a positive way. Kind of like mm-hmm. you know. And then there's Mexican rum that which is is very similar. But I like some of those cane rums. And then Paranubes. Like, yeah, Paranubes mm-hmm. is great. Mm-hmm. Um, aged Hampton is kind of tough because it's like funky, but it has like that really strong oak structure and i yeah. won't say that it's quite like an like an extra añejo tequila but i, I can see the resemblance like some mm. of those tequilas have like a funky ammonia note they have a funky tomato note they have a funky woody kind of banana like hampton is just so over the top banana that it's and that's probably the toughest corollary to draw but you know if you really like well-aged hampton if you loved great house like go try an extra añejo tequila and i i'm trying to think I was really trying to dig deep and find like a parallel to gin because I'm passionate about gin. Mm. And I don't know if I could do it. I maybe the closest I could get was our like Legalion, which was like kind of okay. like beef beef bouillon and herbaceous mm-hmm. juniper. And even I'll admit that's a stretch. And like and I love the Legalion. Like it's it's not my job because I don't make any money to like push it, but I want people to try it. And right. I, 
that's probably the hardest for me to be like, oh yeah, totally gin, just make a martini with it because I would never make a Le Galleon martini <laughs> ever in a million <laughs> years. And uh, maybe, I don't know, the Ray and Nephew overproof. That could get close, but those are kind of... Yeah, I feel like there's that herbaceousness and, and, you know, the unaged cane juice rums and things like that. I could see... I see sometimes, you know, people recommending gin lovers try, you know, rum agricole and stuff. And I I don't know that there's Mm -hmm. always a direct one-to-one correlation on that. But yeah, that's a tough, that's a tough, like, cross-category recommendation, I feel like. Yeah, agricole is so tough because it's, it's so much like a diesel fire and, like, just, like, grass and tea, which I, like, love, but... I, I can never find a way to be like, so you like a now right. try agricole. I'm right. just like, Hey, this is going to be weird and you're going to like it or you're not. It's like down the hatch it goes. And you know, people are like either they love it or they hate it. Mm-hmm. I haven't like, I can sell most styles of rum. Like, Oh, you like this? Well, you're going to love that. And agricole, right. I'm just like, well, here it is. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I have no idea whether you, Oh, you like X, Y, and Z. I have no idea if you're going to like this, but you're not yeah, going like, to taste it. Anything that's like it. So right. check it out. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like penny for your thoughts chug this down and let me know, you know <laughs> give me your, and then like their face is always enough. Like you, you, the words are coming, but what you see on their face when they try agricole um, tells you whether you made a great choice or if like your friendship is, is like on about like on the rocks a little bit. <laughs> uh, it can be kind of like the, you know, the, the, the meme, it's like a gif of the, the woman who tries kombucha and she does the kind of like, you know, that, it's like maybe she likes it. Maybe you see like a journey in the facial expression. Yeah, exactly. I used to call it. Um, I used to be really big into beer um, until it made me fat, and I said, "Okay, beer is done." But I would call it. I would take my then girlfriend at the time to breweries, and I'd be like, "Hey, this is an amazing double imperial stout with blah 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 blah." You know, the adjective mm-hmm. paragraph was like this long, right, you know? right. and she would drink it, and she would make this terrible face, and I was like, "Oh, that stout face!" And like <laughs> stout face, stout face. You know, she doesn't make stout face anymore because like she loves stouts too, and like we we drink beer from time to time, but in a much skinnier place these days. But when yeah. I give her something and she hates them, oh, that's stout face, you know, stout face. <laughs> I love it. Can't can't uh, can't fool anyone uh, when when stout face is out there. <laughs> Exactly. Um, so Jay, the last thing we always like to do on the show is a bonus optional rapid fire segment. Uh, you're already a great sport with giving the recommendations. I know that that can be daunting, but you're, mm-hmm. you've also written 2000 reviews, so it probably didn't intimidate you at all. So this segment is run by John. He comes up with the questions in advance. <laughs> um, <laughs> I sometimes see them. I sometimes don't, but my job is really just to uh, be the official timekeeper. But if you are up for it, we would love to throw some rapid fire questions at you. Yeah, lay it on me. This is, yes. I think, I've been looking forward to this. Yeah. All right. That's what I'm talking John about. This told is me the you real had, like, you, you had an enthusiastic email response to it. So we were, we, we knew from the start it was going to be a good interview. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is the fun stuff. Bring it That's on. Right. You got, <laughs> right. We got to land this puppy. All right. We're do it. So I've got 60 seconds on the clock, John, and go. All right. Neat or on the rocks? Neat. Column, pot, or blend? Blend. Molasses or cane juice rum? Cane. Your favorite spirit category to review? Mezcal. Oh, no, I'm sorry. The the right answer was rum. (laughs) Um, You missed that one. It's the first time in that rapid fire history if somebody's got something wrong. We'll move on. Audience, Jay. Okay, okay. I I knew Uh, it was coming, but it's fine. (laughs) Go. Name the country that consistently produces the world's best rum. Jamaica. Okay. Did aficionados go with the triple X name because they're super duper Vin Diesel fans, or was it because that they're really into like hardcore? Um, we wanted people to know it was Hooch, and that was the best we had. 
All right. <laughs> Other than yourself, who is your personal favorite rum reviewer? <sighs> my buddy, uh, my buddy Kogan at LifeLone Account. All right. I-, I heard this rumor. I just have to ask: Are you in fact related to Kanye? I wish, but no. Actually, <laughs> no. Recently, I'm not. I'm revised, not. yeah. Revised I have revised that. that. <laughs> I wish I was as rich as Kanye. I want nothing to do with him. <laughs> have you ever reviewed a spirit more than once? And if so, can we refer that to that as a double take? Absolutely, double yes. take. All right. What's one rum you never ever want to review again? Uh, stolen smoke rum. <laughs> All right, we got we covered that. <laughs> Who in your mind is the most influential person in the rum world? Uh, Luca bad, Kate Perry good. Do you rate podcasts on the same scale as whiskey? And if so, what would you give the rum cast? No, wait, don't answer that. Okay, okay, maybe answer. <laughs> I'd give you a ten. You guys are the that's most fun. Ah, that's what I'm talking about. All right, perfectly done. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you so much, Jay. That was fun. Yeah, totally. I mean, I love it. Well, um, before we go, what is the best place for people to find out when the next Aficionados release is? I mean, I always hear about them on r slash rum, so that's what I would recommend. Is there Mm -hmm. anywhere else people should keep up with you or follow you? Totally. So uh, three three pieces of advice. If you're on Reddit a lot, find it at r slash rum. I'm a moderator there. I did double check for sales. I was like, there's very few places I'm not a matter like a moderator, <laughs> but like mentally, I was like, does that pass the sniff test? Yes, I am a moderator um, because I can sticky them. So if you go to our rum, you're lazy. Look for the post in green at the top. If it is new since the last time you were there, it will have single uh, cask information. If you just like to go to websites, bookmark something, check it out, put it on your RSS. Go to aficionadosgroup.com, which will just tell you. Hey, there is a new selection. It could be anything. It could be any spirit. But if if you want, just just give me that spirit news. Um, it's not updated frequently. It's only updated when we have a new product. It will give you uh, what it is, who it's who it was selected by, all the statistics, and then also the link to go and buy it. Mm. And then the third, um, if you just want, if you're the most passive consumer ever. And you don't mind getting uh, 10 to 1 bourbon emails, just sign up on the email list. Go to westspirits.com, go to aficionadosgroup.com, go to our rum. If you sign up for the email list, you will get information about every Reddit community selection, whether it's bourbon, uh, rye, rum, brandy, agave, scotch, gin. And you might get a lot of bourbon emails because we're picking bourbon at like 40 barrels a year and rum like two or five but if you we're we're gonna do something about that (laughs) dude i would love to push more rum it's crazy i mean you you guys know this like bourbon is just insane and i love bourbon bourbon is a huge passion um i can sell a barrel of bourbon in two minutes right Mm -hmm. uh rum takes a little more challenging rum you know it's good like the people love it like that's also a huge bonus like i love working with their nose because like you know what it's good rum it will sell and when it sells, it sells. And that's great. Like there's no pressure. You know, I don't have that same pressure for my bourbon retailers. They just also know that, hey, this is going to sell in two, three, four minutes and then we'll move right. on to the next one. But yeah, I mean, and we release new rums even while the old rums haven't sold out yet, but they always do sell. They're picking up quicker. At DOK sold faster than I think anybody expected. I mean, because I yeah. meant to go back and buy like a lot more of it. And then one I, the, the, like, the Legali and the New Yarmouth are both still uh, available. I think some of the Triple X rums are still available too. So mm-hmm. go go check those out, everyone. Order them. Um, you, you heard all the backstory. You heard the process. So enjoy them yeah. now. Yeah, Fiji, Jamaica, and Mauritius still have a couple left. But uh, yeah, those are the three places. Reddit, if you love Reddit. Aficionados group, if you want the occasional check-in. If you'd rather just wake up every morning and refresh your inbox and see if new rum has come, sign up for the email list. We're out here. We're doing the same thing in the same places. We're not going anywhere. 
and that's awesome that's where you can find it well we're looking forward to seeing what comes next and uh thanks so much for taking the time to hang out with us tonight it was a blast yeah, this has been a pleasure. It, it's very rarely that people are like, hey, you want to talk about rum for like kind of kind of a while? And I'm like, yeah, I would love to, you know, especially, you know, my rum friends and I are distanced because of COVID and stuff. So this right. is extremely cool. Mm-hmm. Like I've been on a bunch of bourbon podcasts, but like rum podcasts are a little less frequent. And it's, it's been an absolute pleasure. And I love talking to both of you. Awesome, man. Well, we Thanks. appreciate it. And uh, yeah, I can't wait to see what comes next. Likewise. Thanks, Will and John. Yep. Thanks, Jay. Okay, we hope you enjoyed that interview with Jay West as much as we did. All the references to where you can find out more on him will be posted in the show notes, and you heard him talk about where to find him as well. Uh, As always, please join us for part of the conversation on social media, on Facebook and Instagram. We are The Rumcast, and you can find us on those platforms. And we love the feedback and the comments there, so please do, if you use those platforms, find us on there. Let us know you're enjoying the podcast. Let us know what you want to hear more of and any of that stuff. Also, hey, leave us a review. We always love to see those reviews come in on Apple Podcasts. It's always helpful to know what people enjoy about the podcast. Plus, when you do that, it helps other rum fans find the show. So that's always something that we love to see happen. But other than that, uh, I think that's it for this week, John. Yeah, thank you. We'll see you next time. On the program. I think I've got your co-host name, Will. <laughs> what is it? It's the professional. Ooh, I'm going, you're the professional co-host. The professional, or a professional, <laughs> if you prefer. Uh, <laughs> I like um, it. It's a good contrast to exactly. the people's co-host. Yep, the, the professional and the people's. The the alliteration is there and, and all. I'll accept that. I like it. It's got a good <laughs> ring to it. The the professional and the people's co-host. It's good. <laughs> We're building something special here, Will. <laughs>